0: Mike Cousins joins us now. Another Syracuse guy in the house here on the Announcer schedule podcast. Uh, And Mike is doing an NFL game this week. He is uh, on the ESPN radio call Titans and the Colts. Mike Cousins, welcome to the Announcer schedule podcast, my friend. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, gentlemen. I'm coming to you from uh, Milwaukee today. And uh, late addition to my schedule as well this week, I'll be doing Cardinals Brewers tonight.
0: Oh, okay. I'm actually programming that game right now on the radio. So Mike will be on the Atlantic City Airway if you would already have uh, called that game, because this will drop on Thursdays. That game was Wednesday in the Philly market. Everyone's cheering for the Cardinals, baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is uh it's a fascinating wild card finish and uh you know five divisions locked up, one more still to go with the NL East, which as we talked today is uh is a dead tie. So that's exactly what you hope for at the end of any game is a close game. And at the end of any season is some drama right down to the wire.
0: Now, Mike, before we kind of get into your you know, background and how you got here, uh, tell us about that. You know, Wednesday night, I get the schedule. I didn't know this was on the schedule until last minute here. I got an email from Jeff Martindale. Hey, Wednesday night, how do you get that call? How does that all kind of happen for you?
1: Uh, That call came in uh, Monday morning and uh, it was originally going to be Sean Kelly calling the game, our colleague on ESPN radio. Um, But Sean, now that he's moved down to Florida as the voice of the Gators, unfortunately uh, with hurricane Ian coming through there, people have to pick up and and get on the move. So, uh, you know, it's certainly for the best that Sean and his family go to try and find safe ground. And so uh, for me, it was a a 48 hour scramble to put together all my notes, but uh, it's, This is the sport that I've called the most in my life. So even on short notice, getting to pick up a baseball game is always a fun thing.
0: Mike, uh, you mentioned the sport you've called the most. Let's start there. Uh, Last week, by the way, uh, Andrew Catalan, a uh, Syracuse Hall of Famer now, the Newhouse School. So kind of take us through your journey uh, on where you started, how you got interested uh, in doing this, and how baseball became the uh, sport you've called the most.
1: So it goes back to something that I was really mad at my mom about for a long time. And that was the fact that growing up in White Plains, New York, we were the only household among my friend group that did not have cable television. So my outlet to get a fix for sports was to listen to WFAN a lot and usually round the clock as long as I wasn't in school. So uh, it's safe to say that I was not up on the world events that were being discussed on the I Miss in the Morning program on WFAN back in the 90s. But throughout the day, Mike and the Mad Dog and Steve Summers at night and the rest of the show has really captivated my interest because in a, a pre-internet time, that was the only way you could keep up with sports as well as that. You know, I remember as a kid calling, and I don't remember the number, but there was a number you could call that would give you the scores of NFL games as they were going on and and really be hooked into it that way. So um, with the baseball season lasting as long as it does, I spent a lot of time listening to Bob Murphy and Gary Cohen calling Mets games on WFAN and later Howie Rose as well, who's still there. Um, and, And that's a treat for all baseball fans who listen to the game on the radio. And so my aspiration was, you know, how do I get to be where those guys are? And in the late 90s, early 2000s, I would say the path wasn't as clear cut in terms of we just didn't have as much dissemination of information to understand how major league announcers got to where they were but the thing that I did know was a friend of my mom's who was a couple years older than me he was at WAER one of the student radio stations at Syracuse and so uh, I went up to go visit and on a football weekend and just see what the production was like up there and ultimately I, I applied their early decision so it's not something that I would recommend to any other student to only apply to literally one college but that's what I did and so when I got there Um, I was actually a basketball manager first. I did that for my freshman year because uh, Tim O'Toole, who's an assistant coach at Pittsburgh now, used to be an assistant for Jim Beheim back in the 90s. He's from my same hometown, so it was a connection there to get in the door. I realized that wasn't really how I wanted to spend my time because my career path wasn't trending toward coaching, and so I really threw myself into WAER, which is the really uh, well-known student station at Syracuse, and then WJPZ, which is known as Z89. And I would say probably for... Every hour that I spent in the classroom at, at the Newhouse School, I spent 10 at one of the radio stations. And uh, while I was there in school, since we don't have a baseball team at Syracuse, I spent two summers in the Cape Cod Baseball League, a third in, um, as a, an intern for what was then the Syracuse Chiefs. They're now the Syracuse Mets. And so that was how I got started in baseball. And then my first job out of school was also in minor league baseball.
0: By the and way, Mike, the sports phone, 976 <laughs> There you go, Mike.
2: That's right, sports fun. Mike, thanks for joining the show. Really appreciate you on here. And, you know, you mentioned these baseball experiences, and we've heard it from some of the other announcers as well. I know you You also worked with the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, uh, an affiliate of the Padres. I lived a couple years of my childhood in, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, actually, and uh, it's a wonderful community up there. But, you know, I'd love to, for you to expound on just how meaningful those minor league experiences are for announcers like yourself where, you know, you're able – to to really hone your craft, but also, you know, there's a lot thrown on your plate because you're oftentimes also the the public relations or media relations person for the baseball organization. Can you reflect more on the minor league experience? Sure. So my path there was
1: the the first year in in Syracuse, which I was way out over my skis as a 20-year-old turning 21 in AAA, Uh, and that was an amazing year to get an experience that I didn't realize – how outstanding it was at the time as Steven Strasburg ascended through the minors and he made five starts with the team in Syracuse. And we had national media members coming in from all over the place. Then after college, my first minor league baseball job was in Dayton, Ohio with the red single a team. And it was in that season that the franchise set the record for the longest sellout streak in all of professional sports. So I was in part of another big event. And then uh, from there I was the Vermont women's basketball announcer for a season. And then I went to Fort Wayne. So that 2012, Uh, three jobs out of school was my first full-time job. And so my job was to be the public relations person for the team in the off season. I was very fortunate that it was a full-time year round position. So I went out and I did a speaker's bureau and any Kiwanis Rotary Lions PTA group that would have me out to talk about the team and the history of baseball in Fort Wayne, which is very rich. As a matter of fact, I would go and do that. And um, I would say that doing games on your own makes everything else seem easier because let's say there's an injury timeout or there's a crazy fan on the field or you know i think last week in in an nfl game they had a timeout for nfl security to clear the field i think it was in seattle because there was a drone overhead where it could be easy to panic in those types of situations but when you have to fill hours on end by yourself every night and then you have a partner as you get up to higher levels i think those challenges seem much less daunting. And you also gain a respect and an appreciation for when you're part of a broadcast crew, whether it's I'm doing MLB on ESPN radio, it'll be an analyst, a producer, an engineer, a relatively small crew, or on a TV crew where it's in excess of 30 to 40 people, and you only see the two or three people who are on the air. When you've done a lot of the behind the scenes positions, you understand all of the work that goes into it and having to do your game notes every day, which if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you know what game notes are. But if you don't, it's all the media information that provides the interesting tidbits for the broadcasters and print and and TV media members. And so you understand what goes into all of that. And as a, you know, relatively speaking, a one man band, when then your job is to later only do the games, it almost seems easy in retrospect, having done all of that stuff. So I think it's immensely helpful and it teaches you a way of going about, you know, now when I do my research, how do I want to find those nuggets? Because it used to be my responsibility to do those things. And also now, you know, in this Brewers game, it's fun to look back at the connections because there are three players just from my couple years in Fort Wayne alone, Hunter Renfro, Jace Peterson, and Trevor Gott, just on Milwaukee, who were there when I was there. To see guys when they were just out of college who are now on, you know, contracts where they're making tens of millions of dollars and to see that progress is is really cool.
2: And Mike, tell us about kind of the next step, which was a big one, you know, going to the network level and getting the call from from ESPN and so forth. How does one go from working in minor league baseball to now being a national announcer?
0: Uh,
2: A lot
1: of luck along the way. And I think that's true for just about everybody, because it's a business where the uh, supply of broadcasters who want to do the job is uh, is well in excess of how many jobs there are. And so when I was in Fort Wayne, I was very fortunate to have uh, the general manager there, Mike Nutter, um, who allowed me to go and do freelance opportunities with what was then you know, a very smaller version of ESPN3. So being in, in northeast Indiana, I was within proximity to Notre Dame and Purdue. I would drive up to Wisconsin. I could go down to Indiana University. And I got to the point where I had exhausted my vacation days. But they allowed me to take unpaid days away from the team during the baseball offseason. And at some points, because I started out doing high school basketball as well in the 2013 uh, summer, that I would miss games. And so they could have easily said, no, you work for us. You're our full-time employee. You have to be here because that's what you signed up to do. They understood, though, that, you know, as as a broadcaster in minor league baseball, for me or for anybody else, all of our aspirations is not to be at a ball for forever. Same as the players and to allow me to go and do those things. So I went from freelance high school and college basketball to then coming on full-time in 2014 and picking up college football and college baseball. And then a few years later, college wrestling. And now I'm six years into doing the NCAA championships for college wrestling and uh, college softball, which has become easily one of my favorite sports. And then along the way got uh, added as a complimentary player, I guess you could say, um, A member of the chorus, to use a theatrical term for the uh, MLB on ESPN radio schedule, because I had a background calling a lot of baseball on the radio. And when Sean Kelly decided to go become the voice of the Florida Gators this summer, uh, I got called in July asking if I wanted to primarily transition my schedule over to the radio side. And when I understood that, it came with the opportunity to call the NBA, to call the NFL, to do college football every week, sometimes do a double header if the need arises. And to get to do still MLB and then some TV stuff as well, it was a no-brainer because the level of games here is the type of stuff that, uh, you know, you only dream about when you start getting into the business. And so already in the first couple weeks of the season for college football, I've gotten to call a crazy finish between LSU and Florida State. Last week, Arkansas and Texas A&M had the field goal go off the top of the uprights. And uh, I'm, I'm really thrilled to be where I am.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, you did the Arkansas-Texas A&M game Saturday, You get the call Monday morning to do a baseball game on Wednesday night, and then you're going to do an NFL game this weekend. I'm sure it sounds like a crazy week. You have probably had crazier, but just the transition of doing a college game, a baseball game, uh, an NFL game, it seems that it's all come kind of quickly and just kind of the preparation to get ready for three totally different types of games in the course of a week. Fortunately, I'm somebody who
1: has always really liked to work ahead and I'm, I'm habitually early for things. My freshman year basketball coach in high school made us be 30 minutes early to everything. And so that has stuck with me because the penalty then was running sprints up and down the floor. I know I'm not doing that now, but it's still ingrained in my head that I want to be early for everything. So usually by the time I get to the Friday of a college football week, I have wrapped up what my charts are going to look like for that game. And then on the plane to wherever I'm going, I start working on my charts for the next week. So last week when I was flying to Dallas, I was building the base of my charts for the Colts and for the Titans. And so then Monday I sat down before I got the phone call to do this baseball game and started putting in all the stats from the previous week for those two teams. And they had some pretty exciting games. And so then MLB, it's just, you know, that's a scramble because I've got 48 hours basically to, you know, book a ticket and get on a plane and, and call the game. And so, um, from you know, my prep is probably different than some other people's. But basically what I do is I just have a big Word document for each team and I keep them open on my laptop side by side during the game. And I go through and, you know, I'll, I'll check off bios for the manager, the hitting coach, the pitching coach, all the players. And then um, go through the team's game notes. And last night I got to my hotel in time to watch the Brewers and Cardinals as well. So that was good just to be able to pick up things off of that TV broadcast. And then go through all of the research notes because you've got the wild card races today. So the primary focus of this game really is, can the Brewers get a win? And they'll be in good shape today because I would imagine the Cardinals will rest a lot of their starters having clinched a spot in the playoffs. But they also need some help too because they're one and a half games on the outside looking in. So for me, it's really just like, I'm gonna find every available piece of information that I can and try and synthesize what's most important. And fortunately, you've got a great analyst, no matter what sport you're working on. I'm with Greg Olson, who is a longtime major leaguer. He's done analysis with the Orioles for a number of years as well. And so you just try and learn as much as you can, as quickly as you can.
0: And here's the best part your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to trylifemd.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at try That's trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned uh, one of the things when you got the ESPN Radio. If you are, you know, in a market like mine, Atlantic City, you uh, have heard Mike do a variety of games and, you know, NBA, NFL, college football, Major League Baseball. Um, to have that versatility. Where did you kind of get that versatility? What well, you know, a lot of us get that one opportunity. It's like, oh, I get to do baseball. How do you did you start to branch off to to get that versatility?
1: It came from an eagerness to probably the greatest piece of advice that I give to anybody who's younger, whether it's high school or college or even just out of school, is to say yes to whatever you can. So when I was in school, this it's amazing to think that my last year in college was 2010. And at that point, we were doing single camera broadcasts with no graphics for Olympic sports, where now I look at just, the, I don't know about every school, but Syracuse, they have drone footage for the intro to their rowing broadcasts online. So it's amazing just how far things have come. You know, we didn't even go on camera then because we didn't have the ability to do it. But I did soccer and I did volleyball. And that led me to opportunity, but when I was still freelancing at the Big Ten Network to get my foot in the door and to be able to do, uh, you know, lead myself to do college basketball with them. Wrestling was one of the scariest things I've ever done because I got a call in 2017 asking if I knew anything about wrestling. And the answer was no, I knew something about professional wrestling, but certainly not folk style at the collegiate level. And so throwing myself into that was an, an immense research project But I think when you take on a new sport, you know, um, softball was the same way in 2019. I got a call a day and a half before my first game, and I was going to be working with Michelle Smith, who's won two Olympic gold medals, and Amanda Scarborough, who's a two-time All-American. And then me, like, who doesn't belong in that booth? There's very one clear answer. Um, And I think it's, it's a process of going in with confidence that, you know, calling softball is very similar to baseball. So I knew more or less how things worked but also a humility to understand what you don't know and don't try and act like, you know, the things that you don't know because the people watching those sports are going to know immediately that you're a fraud and that you're trying <laughs> to be something that you're not. And so taking things to the, the limits of what you can while you're enhancing the broadcast, but also stepping aside when you're not entirely sure about something.
2: This is the first time we've mentioned NCA wrestling on this podcast. I'd love to hear from you, Mike, as far as the mechanics of a wrestling broadcast from a TV production standpoint, and also from your standpoint as the play-by-play announcer, you know, what does that look like? You know, I know there's a lot going on at at any given venue during a wrestling uh, match, and, you know, certainly all that energy in the building, you know, when the championship's at stake. So for a regular season duel, just two teams facing each other
1: where you've got 10 weight classes, it's, it's almost like soccer in a way which sounds weird, but a soccer broadcast or even a soccer match in person is relatively uncomplicated. There's no music playing during it. There's not a lot of advertising. It's just the match. And wrestling, you really don't have a lot of time where, let's say, in football or basketball with timeouts and stoppages to get in graphics or to work in a lot of other storylines. Because when the whistle blows in a wrestling match, let's say the two wrestlers have gone out of bounds, they're right back to the middle and they're getting after it. Only The only time that you have for pauses is in the time between each of the three periods. So you've got three minutes, two minutes, two minutes, and maybe 15 to 20 seconds to squeeze something in between there, whether it's a replay, whether it's a graphic. So there's not a lot of time. And I like to give a lot of leeway, especially in wrestling to my analysts, because you never know when a big moment is about to happen. Whereas if it's fourth and goal, okay, we know this is going to be a big play here, but you never know when there might be a takedown or a guy gets taken to his back in in the blink of an eye. And all of a sudden the match might be over because he just got pinned. So I I leave them a lot more space and, and I jump in to really fill the bigger moments and make sure that everybody knows what's going on and update the team score, as well as the individual score within that. Now on the NCAA championship side, it's a much bigger production. We have in the last couple of years, not only added some new analysts, we added Daniel Cormier, who was a great wrestler at Oklahoma state and now is one of the primary voices of UFC, but we've also added, Uh, an off the mat show on ESPN plus that's covering all the mats at once. Whereas on TV, we can only show, you know, two or three at a time at most without it becoming too confusing. So it's a much bigger production and there's 300. It is by far the most mentally taxing, I think, event to prepare for because there are 330 wrestlers, 33 at all 10 weight classes. So my prep for that starts in December and it runs all the way up until the day of the event in March. And it's usually for me a word document that stretches in the neighborhood of sixty to seventy pages, and I uh, I control F my way through it as we go about uh, throughout the course of the weekend. Because when we're there with our coverage, especially Thursday, the first day of the weekend, you could be jumping from weight class to weight class, mat to mat, and all I have is maybe two or three seconds notice in my ear that we're making that switch. Um, So for me, it's a matter of trying to make sure that I'm taking in everything the analysts are saying and following up on anything they're saying, while also making sure to introduce whomever has shown up on Matt Two on the right side of our screen and try and give a synopsis of their season story. Because if it's a wrestler from a a, a non-dominant school, say if you're outside the big 10 or the big 12, you're from Campbell. That might be the only time that you're on broadcast or network television the entire year. And I want to make sure to give that wrestler his due.
0: Uh, Mike, by the way, I miss you on ultimate Frisbee. Can you uh, ask for that assignment again? Is that, is that coming back for you?
1: That was another one where uh, I got thrown into it. I want to say the summer of 2013 also knew nothing about it. Uh, and by a very big break, I was paired with uh, a guy who is now the voice of ultimate Evan Leppler, <laughs> who also does broadcasts for the regional sports network on, uh, on, AB, on ACC uh, basketball and football. So Evan was also at the time a minor league baseball play-by-play guy. He was with the Salem Red Sox. And so he was able to help me fill in the gaps on a sport that I was entirely clueless about. And he probably should have been the play-by-play guy the entire time.
0: (laughs) Well, I know that uh, where you've been, you know, I got a call, you know, hey, do you want to call MMA? And I'm like, I I don't know much about MMA. Well, we're going to pair you with CM Punk. He'll do the analyst. You'll do the play-by-play. And I'm like, "Uh, okay, it's a very uncomfortable position to be in. Uh, But yeah, you're right. I agree with you. If somebody asks, you just... Say yes and figure it out on the fly, man. Mike, uh, Syracuse, we've talked to so many guys. You're, you're a rather young graduate there. Are there other guys that you were in class with or at the radio station with that you formed that bond and, you know, really challenged each other? You guys mentioned Fort Wayne. There was a guy who did television in Fort Wayne. His name was Tommy Shegler, and he was the TV host, uh, the sports guy on the Fort Wayne And he and I were at West Virginia together, and we always just challenged each other to make the station. You know, when you're at those stations, you feel such pride in in being better than the commercial station. Did you have that kind of uh, bondage with guys in your, you know, and are there guys that are still doing the craft uh, that you went to school with at Syracuse?
1: Yes. So just at ESPN alone, there are two other guys. I'm technically the class of 2010 because I graduated a semester Early, but We all came in in the class of 2011, so it's just easier to say it that way. Uh, number one is Kevin Brown, who is one of the broadcasters for the Baltimore Orioles. He was our sports director at WAER in our senior year, and Kevin does many sports for ESPN as well. And then Alex Perlman, who was one of the uh, groomsmen in my wedding, and he does college basketball, soccer, softball for ESPN also. So we all graduated together. We lived either in the same house or next door to each other. And I think what you're talking about with Tommy Mike is accurate. And Tommy was always great in his coverage of the, the baseball team in Fort Wayne. He actually hosted a weekly show that we put together with his station as well. Um, but yeah. Which it, I've appeared
0: on a few times. <laughs> or did. He doesn't do it anymore, but
1: he's he's out of the media business per se, yes. uh, at least as far as being on TV on a daily basis. I think what when people ask what makes Syracuse different the The best answer that I can give is not necessarily what's in the school curriculum. because when I was there, and this has changed because they have bolstered their sports curriculum as well, because the curriculum there is more about teaching you to be um, a reporter and how do you address going about reporting news stories? That was the basis of my education there. But at our two student radio stations, yes, not only was there a thought that on the you know at z eighty nine, Uh, which is the um, more of a music station that also does sports. I was the general manager there my sophomore year into my junior year. And my thought was, I always want to be better than all the commercial music stations because I don't need to be adhering to any playlist that comes from iHeart corporate in New York or whatever. We can make our own playlist and figure out, Hey, when we like these songs that come in, let's play them and not wait for seeing what everybody else wants to do. And then on the play by play side at both student radio stations, one of the best things that we did was, We met in the basement of our station every Sunday night and we critiqued the broadcasts from that given week. So whether it was just one football game, one basketball game or in the crossover season, sometimes two or three games in the course of a week, everybody from the top of the staff to the bottom of the staff, the folks who weren't yet cleared to be on the air had an assignment of you're going to listen to play by play or you're going to see how this broadcast was produced or how it was engineered and you're going to critique those things. We all did feature stories, so those got critiqued as well. And it was a time in our lives where the penalty for failure is minimal and the competition is only for the next broadcast. It's not for your livelihood. And so it was a friendly and robust competition because we had class together, we hung out at the station together, we lived together. And so it was all about we wanted to get better ourselves, but in the process, we helped each other get better. And I think that type of atmosphere is what makes Syracuse so different from other places.
0: All right, uh, we'll leave you with this. With this Mike, where is your home base? Where where do you where do you live generally?
1: So for the last five years, it was Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, as of December of twenty one, my wife and
0: I moved down to
1: Charlotte, North Carolina.
0: All right, uh, can you tell our podcast listeners about uh, how you? proposed to your wife is that one of your more <laughs> memorable on-air experiences
1: it was uh it was almost thwarted by mother nature believe it or not in january in syracuse who could have foreseen a snowstorm coming so uh the 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 gist of the story is i proposed to my wife after a basketball game at the carrier dome but the journey for both of us to get there was not very easy this was january 6th of 2018 and so I was flying from Cleveland. I flew down through Washington, Dulles, and then I was flying up to Syracuse. So I get on my flight. We're on the runway, a perfectly sunny January day in Virginia. And the pilot goes, well, there's bad news. Uh, there's a huge snowstorm in Syracuse. Our flight has been canceled. So I scramble and I find myself a 10.30 p.m. flight out of Reagan Airport in D.C. up to Rochester, New York, which is about 90 minutes west of Syracuse. So I fly up there. I get in at about 1 a.m. the day of the game. My wife had to work on Friday, so she was supposed to fly out Friday night. Her flight gets canceled, so I said, you know, and I couldn't be too eager about this, too, because obviously I had the ring with me, but I couldn't blow the surprise. And so I said, you know what? If you can't make it, you can't make it. But, you know, let's get you on a flight Saturday morning. You'll get there for the game. So delay, delay, delay. She finally lands and gets there at halftime of the game. And I was very fortunate because a friend of mine who is a year older than me uh, her name is Lauren, uh, her maiden name was Levine. Her dad, Ed Levine, owns the biggest cluster of radio stations in Syracuse. He's a big donor to the athletic department. He has the seats directly behind the broadcast table inside of the building formerly known as the Carrier Dome, excuse me, uh, the JMA Wireless Dome. <laughs> um, he was very gracious enough to host uh, my my wife, Erin, there behind uh, the table. And so Corey Alexander was my partner that day and I had cued uh, it up with the folks in the truck that I had a whole montage of photos and a little script tr- prepared for us through the years. And so I needed her to sit down at the table. And we we kind of gave her a little bit of a bluff. And we said, Hey, we just want to have you on and, and talk about what the weather was like and, and the trip here for, you know, for our post game report. And she goes, No, nah, I'm sweaty. I don't want to do it. I'm not really camera ready. And Corey looks at her and he's the nicest guy. He goes, you are going to sit in that chair.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and so uh, I proposed, and that all went well. And then we had uh, we had plans to go out to a nice restaurant uh, in a town about 30 minutes west, but because it was so snowy and the roads are so windy, I didn't want to drive out that far. So we ended up just having uh, a burger and beers uh, in downtown Syracuse that night. And then the next day, January 7th, perfectly clear weather. We get to the airport, and they go, well, uh, your flight is delayed, and because you're going to miss your connection, we can only get one of you home today. Oh. So uh, our first test as a couple to be married was a five-hour drive back from uh, Syracuse to Cleveland. We have made it, and uh, we're still happily married to this day.
0: <laughs> All right. Mike Cousins, uh, good story. And, uh, Phil, when Mike gets off, we'll have to play that audio for uh, the the listeners of the podcast so they can hear it. Uh, it was uh, definitely good if you uh, want to check that out. All right, Mike, uh, good luck with everything. We appreciate it. And, by the way, one of the cool things about Mike, I thought, was that uh, if you follow him on Twitter, at Mike Cousins. He mentions, if you're a young broadcaster, happy to listen to your tape. You know, last week we had Andrew Catalan on, and I got a DM from Tony Caridi who said, I listened, and, you know, I sat with Tony when I was at West Virginia, and he would listen to my tape. A lot of red pen on those tape sessions, but he still sat down and listened to them, and I think that's really cool, Mike, that you have offered that to young broadcasters as well. Versatile, you'll hear him on the radio all over the place, Mike Cousins, ESPN Radio Syracuse Grad here this week on the Announcer Schedule Podcast. Mike, thanks so much, man.
1: Thanks so much for having me. And as a final note, you know, with Andrew and Tony, you know, Bill Roth is another guy who's been immensely helpful to me in my career as a Syracuse grad. I really do mean that because I think when you when you when I was coming up, especially, it was not a day and age of widespread social media. It was much harder to find people and get a hold of people. And so I, I like the expression that, you know, a candle lighting another candle does nothing to diminish its own flame. So for me to take twenty to thirty minutes to listen to somebody's tape, I'm always happy to do that because we should all be helping each other get better. And so I, I really do encourage younger people to reach out. And and thank you again,
2: guys, for having
0: me on. All right, Mike. Yeah, appreciate
2: someone, it. Uh, as someone on a college campus myself, Mike, I'm I'm just up the road from you uh, at Brevard College up in Brevard, North Carolina, outside of Asheville, and I really appreciate that because I, I you know, I work with young broadcasters myself. They're looking, you know, how do I get my, my foot in the door and that kind of thing, and you know, looking for feedback. So, you know, the the way you're paying it forward like that um, goes a long way. Really appreciate that. And and hey, congrats on the the new role with ESPN Radio as well. We've really enjoyed uh, checking you out on the call on on so many of these games. Thanks so much. It's an honor to be where
0: I am. All right, Mike. Mike Cousins, everybody. We appreciate him being a part of the announcer's schedule podcast. So there you go. A great journey, a great story. And uh, that marriage proposal, they caught it on video. As we said, it was a part of the broadcast. He kind of set it all up there. And uh, his wife uh, basically, you know, she had a little bit of shock there, Phil. She wasn't really prepared for it. She was just kind of sitting on camera. They went through the whole journey of how they met and, you know, he, They had the video produced and everything, and then right there on the video, uh, he got down on one knee and 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 proposed, and his wife, uh, what's she going to say, no on live television?
1: This is Aaron, and we're at the Carrier Dome here in Syracuse, which is home to a lot of snow, Syracuse basketball, and for some time, me. It was actually a really important chapter in my life that I spent here in Syracuse and was involved with the basketball team, although... That whole thing didn't exactly work out so i got my first job and moved to dayton ohio in 2011 where i met aaron and we pursued each other then but eventually i moved away yes this is happening aaron and so i'd always been told about my perfect face for radio so i decided that somebody was going to pay me to do it that's great so i'd convince her to travel to see me and then in 2014 we moved to the chicago (laughs) suburbs surprisingly i was the one who took up the most closet space life is full of fun surprises we spent two years in downtown chicago me becoming more familiar with every restaurant no hair and aaron navigating the greeting card store grid of the city and beyond so our latest stop finds us in cleveland so many addresses so many zip codes on our journey i've learned that home is wherever i'm with aaron and so today it comes full circle in syracuse here inside the Carrier Dome, a place where I began an important chapter of my life. And so I'm hoping that here is where we can begin an important chapter of our life together. So with that, Aaron Marie Beadle, will you marry me? Oh my God, yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, and it fits. (laughs) Love you.
3: I love you, too.
1: <laughs> and with that, the next chapter has begun.
0: And as you heard here, Phil, they had to get a burger because of the snow and then take a five-hour drive together as an engaged couple. So that was how that all went down. We thank Mike for joining us here on the Announcer Schedule Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe to the show. Don't forget, Sports Media Watch. Get out there share it, let everybody know that's in that broadcasting circle about it. And, of course, TJ and John on the Sports Media Watch. I've already listened to it this week. I was up early Wednesday morning. I got it sent to me because I subscribe. I had the little alert, and I listened to it already. Tell me a story I don't know, George Offman. Dan Hampton is the guest this week, so make sure you check that out. And we will be back. Next week, right here on the Announcer Schedule Podcast. Okay, Phil, good to see you. I'm Mike Gill. We'll be back next week here on the Announcer Schedule Podcast. Have a great rest of your week and enjoy all the football. Ohio, ready for some
1: quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime.